Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... I think it's a huge missing piece in our you know, wellbeing programs that happen in schools and in corporate spaces. Because if we're to lead cultural change, if we're to help people to make really good decisions on an ongoing basis, we need to have those conversations around what's not working, around how we want things to be, and around that accountability piece, around what to say when I'm out of line. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thank you for listening to episode 428 of Impact Boom. My name's Sarah, and I'm passionate about visioning, empowering, and contributing to initiatives and enterprises that are causing positive transformation locally and globally. Today, we're speaking with Mike Dyson. Mike Dyson is a consultant, speaker, and facilitator who is revolutionizing well-being in schools and workplaces. His collaborative well-being programs bring a pragmatic and down-to-earth approach that facilitates meaningful change. With over 15 years' experience in complementary medicine, supporting individuals to balance their yin and yang, Mike uncovered a crucial missing piece in the mental health and well-being puzzle, human connection. Mike has since transitioned to focus on social well-being and the impact of culture, spending a decade facilitating workshops, camps, leadership retreats, and immersive trainings for high school students, teachers, parents, and corporate groups exploring well-being, relationships, connection, and the essential social and emotional skills that bring a culture of belonging. In 2016, Mike founded the social enterprise Good Blokes Co., empowering men and boys to take a lead in driving a healthier culture of masculinity. And today, Mike helps educators to get young people excited about honest conversations on resilience, respect, empathy, and accountability. And in the workplace, he supports well-being and diversity and inclusion leaders to develop human skills required to build communities where human beings thrive together. On today's podcast, we will discuss how the art and science of making honest conversations possible is making a powerful impact on both individuals and communities, as well as the importance of healthy masculinity and what organisations like Good Blokes Co. are doing to support boys and men towards healthier futures. Mike, it's so great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. To start off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what it is that's led you to where you are today? 
Yeah, absolutely. Always a topic I'm happy to talk about. I spent uh, 15 years as a complementary medicine practitioner, Chinese medicine practitioner, helping people to be well with acupuncture and Chinese herbs, but a lot of a lot of guiding people to make better choices around diet and, and exercise and rest and relaxation and a clear mental state, mindset and mindfulness. Over that length of that time, I started to get more and more frustrated with, you know, treating people at crisis point and people weren't coming in for a prevention. We talk about how good complementary therapies are at proactively warding problems up before they arise. But what was interesting thing that happened about 10 years into my career is I found myself on emergency department hospital bed thinking I was having a heart attack. And the doctor leans over me and she says, nothing wrong with your heart, Mr. Dyson, this is anxiety. It was a really disorienting moment for me because I thought I was doing all the right things. I was exercising every day. I was meditating every day. I was eating healthy foods. And I didn't even know that I was in this state of high anxiety that had, that had come upon me. So it forced me to really rethink some things. That's the biggest sort of major event. And I did some counseling. I talked to my friends about it. But probably the most transformative experience was one of my clients actually asked, invited me to join his local men's group. And I was like, oh, cool. That sounds interesting. I'll come and sit in someone's backyard around a fire and we'll talk about our feelings. Great. I'm up for it. And it was quite a revolutionary experience to realize that so many men had so much going on in their lives that they weren't normally talking about, whether it's mental health problems or relationship stress or financial stress or parenting stress or career and life decisions, physical well-being. All of these conversations just weren't being had. And it was quite revolutionary to me to realize that we could talk about these challenges going on in our lives. But the big thing that created a huge shift for me was accountability. I would rock up to that men's group and, and blokes would say, hey, you said you were going to meditate every day last week. How did you go with it? Or you said you were going to change X, Y, and Z. How have you, going with it? How have you been going with it? In a really supportive and kind way. And I, I realized that having those deeper conversations around our well-being was a huge part of what was missing in terms of being able to talk about our challenges and being able to talk about accountability and, and support. And so... Upon further research, I did a bunch of reading into the impacts of loneliness and how social isolation can be as dangerous as, to our physical health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, as dangerous as hypertension or obesity in terms of our heart health, our immune system health, our mental health, all of the huge impacts. So I started to look at well-being through the lens of connection and collaboration and started to work with groups of young people, groups of men, groups of teachers corporate groups having conversations around healthy masculinity, around well-being, about positive, proactive well-being, which has led me to what I do now, which is largely teaching leaders the kind of leadership skills that create spaces for those honest conversations. There's my story in a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, Mark, you've worked extensively and, as you mentioned, in various spaces and capacities navigating the art and the science of making honest conversations possible. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. So look, what I notice in leading people into these sort of conversations on, on a daily basis is that there's a lot of people out there in workplaces, families, communities who are really itching for better conversations, deeper conversations, more honest conversations around our, our mental health, around our well-being around diversity and inclusion, around masculinity, on all these types of topics. But in our normal environments, 
these don't feel like normal conversations. Those conversations don't feel safe and sometimes just aren't engaging. We don't have a reason to engage in them, even though we we really need them on a deeper level. I think it's a huge missing piece in our, you know, well-being programs that happen in schools and in corporate spaces. Because if we're to lead cultural change, if we're to help people to make really good decisions on an ongoing basis, we need to have those conversations around what's not working, around how we want things to be, and around that accountability piece, around what to say when I'm out of line. So when I started working in groups, I was quite quickly asked to you know, show other people what I was doing. So over the last eight years, I've kind of honed a, a framework, a pretty clear framework, I think, in how to get people to really enthusiastically lean into those deeper and honest conversations. I think people are itching for it. All we have to do is create a really safe space, an engaging space as well. So, you know, better conversations with young people in schools, better conversations at work, like I said, around well-being, around leadership, around inclusion, the nature of our social connection is shifting rapidly because of the internet, because of Slack and email and WhatsApp. And generationally, we are more isolated in our daily lives and are wanting more connection at work, at school. I'm just helping people to create those conversations that they're crying out for, I guess. Mm, Great. And as a leader in the healthy masculinity space and through your work with your social enterprise, Good Blokes Co, what are some of the challenges and opportunities and possibilities that you see in this space? I think there's a lot of possibility. I I think we are living in a world where people are really, a bit like I just said before, itching for better conversations around healthy masculinity. We talk about toxic masculinity a lot, and I think that's a great starting point. I think we need to know what men are getting wrong in the world, but I'm just not hearing heaps of conversations around healthy ways of showing up for men. What is healthy masculinity? What is positive masculinity? I think we get the conversation started. Things aren't working. We know that men are dying by suicide at record rates. We know that men's violence is ruining people's lives. We're not really talking about how our culture of masculinity is a huge driver of both of those things. The more pressure that men feel to be a certain way, a tough guy, a real man, the more likely they are to be aggressive towards others and the more likely they are to hurt themselves the more likely they are to be anxious and and depressed and to have thoughts of suicide. What's interesting to me is when you talk about opportunities, I think the biggest thing is that a lot of men care about this. A lot of men care about men's well-being. A lot of men care about women feeling safe at work. But then I ask men, what are you doing about those things on a daily basis? And most men aren't doing anything about the culture of masculinity that we live in. So I think the big opportunity is that there's a gap between what men care about and what men are actually doing to proactively make their own life better, make their mates' life better, make women in workplaces better, girls at school to feel safe and celebrated and equal and valued. And and I think the link is when we talk about this, the first bit I talked about, this human connection piece. There's good research to suggest that elderly Australians are, are quite lonely, but actually, depending on how you define it, some would say that the most lonely demographic of Australians is 18 to 29-year-old young men those who've grown up with the internet and as well as this masculine pressure to not trust others, to not rely on others. And that leads us to the point where we don't have the quality of relationships. Yes, there's lots of people around us, but are there people that we can lean on? Are they people that we know are leaning on us? Are they mates that we know we can pull them up when they make a, a joke that's not funny in the in the lunchroom? So yeah, the opportunities, I think we're desperate for conversations. And if we can help a lot of blokes to realize, hey, if you care about this, it's time for us to step up and to start acting. 
And speaking of those flow-on actions, what are some of the things that you've seen happen that have led to a positive culture shift, whether it be in schools or workplaces or communities, as a result of having those honest conversations? It's sort of really easy to see in a lot of the school programs that I've worked on, you lead young men into these conversations around, even just a simple conversation around what kind of challenges are you having? If you can create space for honesty there, you get young men that it's like the top of their heads are blown off. They didn't realize that everyone else is struggling with something else. And, you know, Harvard psychologist Todd Rose has written a book recently called Collective Illusions. It's this idea that we all think that everyone else is thinking this one thing and actually they're not. And masculinity, I think, is a classic example of that, is that most men are walking around thinking, oh, I really want things to be different, but everyone else wants me to be a tough guy. Actually, no one wants you to be a tough guy anymore. No, no one believes in that. No one thinks that anymore. So when we actually just get that conversation out in the open and when we say, how are things for you as men? And, you know, the Me Too movement's a classic example as well. When we get to hear as men the stories of women, it's like, oh, I didn't realise. Because men don't have the experience of being a woman. Um, They don't know what women's experiences are like. They actually need to hear women's stories. And men need to hear each other's stories. And when you get them into that space where they hear that, you can just see the the difference in behaviour, like, immediately after a workshop is profound. Yeah, amazing. And... I suppose what I'm curious about is when you go back to those spaces or those people check in with you, what are the kinds of things that you're seeing as a result of the difference that those chats have had in their lives? Yeah, well, they talk about just having more support and more action really is what we're talking about. I feel more confident to call someone out um, when they make a dodgy comment. And that's a comment that I hear all the time just that ability to translate our desires to care for others into actual action. And I just am having better conversations with other blokes about their well-being. So you get lots of these little comments about how the conversation on the WhatsApp thread has changed since I called a few things out. That's culture change. Sometimes we think of leadership as, oh, that's for the CEO and that's this big trickle-down kind of thing. But culture is all of us. Every interaction we have has the potential to impact other people. So yeah. Why not really think really clearly about how we want to show up and, and what we want our culture to be? Yeah, awesome. Mike, what are some inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you feel are creating really positive change? I'm really lucky to work with lots of people in those spaces. I run a, a program design and facilitation skills training. And I get lots of people who come with really cool projects teaching drama in, in schools to boost kids' well-being and social skills and all sorts of other stuff. I've done a bunch of work designing a well-being program for a, a, a small school here in Perth called Idea Academy. It's for year 11 and 12 kids. It's a, a project-based learning, all about entrepreneurship and, and innovation. And they're just disrupting education or providing a really different way for young people to be educated. One of their young people has launched a, a brand called Glossy Boys. His name's Lucas he has a brand of nail polish for boys to just to challenge this whole masculine stereotypes thing, which I think is just amazing. That's a really cool project. Probably the most inspiring thing I'm working on at the moment is a local Noongar elder here, Uncle Noel Nanup, is trying to create this program for young men to prevent young Indigenous men going to prison, like a preventative project. And there's all these people bringing their wisdom into this project, Aboriginal men and non-Indigenous blokes like me sharing all of these ideas around how we can create. No one's getting paid. There's just heaps of people putting all their energy into this thing, which I think is amazing. And 
it's starting to build momentum. There's funding there. And I can really see that this is potentially going to make a huge difference in, in a lot of people's lives. So there's, you know, there's lots of inspiring things out there when we choose to have a look around for it. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. And to finish off, what kind of books or resources would you recommend to our listeners? The big thing I'm passionate about is that connection piece, that social well-being piece. Probably the most powerful book I've read in that space is John Cacioppo's book, which is simply called Loneliness. There's a book written by Vivek Murthy, who is the Chief Surgeon General of the United States of America, the highest ranking medical officer in the United States. He's written a book about the most pressing issue he feels facing the medical system in the United States at the moment, which is human connection. His book is called Together, which is really cool, important read. If you want to know more about the masculinity piece, this, the simple way to start is to just Google the uh, man box study from the Queensland University of Technology in 2018. There's heaps of really good info about this masculinity piece and how it's shaping men's well-being. There's a million books and podcasts I can recommend, but I'll maybe leave it at those ones. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. That's terrific. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Great to chat, Sarah. Thanks heaps. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.